Welcome to the Rob at Desk podcast. I'm Rob Blasey. Today, we're talking to Amy Fairchild from the Encourage Project. Her project is helping humans with their projects. Take a listen. Amy Fairchild, thank you for joining me this evening. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah, no, uh, I got introduced to you through my wife. Uh, you guys mm-hmm. were friends, and she was telling me, and we were listening to your podcast that you started, The Encourage Project. Yes, and it's been a very interesting ride, yes. Right? Are you encouraged by it so far? <laughs> See what I did? Yes, I am. All right. it's, been, it's been very positive so far. Good. So, help me out. Why did you... What first off, tell me what tell me more about the Encourage Project and like why you started it. What's the goal here? Sure. The Encourage Project is two things actually. It is on the one hand, it's a consultancy um, that takes my background is in projects and program management and I've done that for a very long time and helped a lot of big organizations achieve some really big things. And I wanted to take all of those lessons and best practices and apply them to projects that no one ever really teaches us how to do. You know, no one ever teaches us how to buy a home. No one ever teaches us how to, um, you know, start a business or no one teaches us how to lose weight. We're told to go do it and we don't necessarily have the tools and project management gives us frameworks and tools and things that can help us do that. That's the one side of the Encourage Project is the consultancy, helping people achieve whatever, I call them human projects, whatever human projects they want to achieve. uh, And, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just, I'm I'm processing. Sometimes I'm I'm on the slow processing side. (laughs) Uh, The other side of the Encourage Project is the podcast. And that is taking the tools and lessons and what I call the ahas, oh no's, and yippies, okay, and sharing them with a broader podcast. audience. Okay, so the, I remember hearing about the, what were the three things, the ahas, the yippies? Ahas, oh no's, and yippies, yes. Okay, I remember hearing about those in a podcast from you. Yes. Um, it's something that I started doing in project meetings years and years ago, at the end of project meetings, uh, I would ask people, okay, so do you have any ahas, oh no's, or yippies before we wrap up? And and the ahas are, did you learn something or do you have an insight you want to share? Oh no's are, is there a problem or a risk that we haven't discussed that we need to talk about with the group? And then yippies are, what can we celebrate? You know, I'm a huge proponent of celebration along the way. You know, it, progress counts. And sometimes <laughs> even making a little bit of progress is worthy of celebration. <laughs> right. No, I, can, I agree wholeheartedly with that. So are you, are you allowed to, you've worked with some big companies and did some big projects. Can you kind of elaborate? You don't have to name drop if you don't want to. I'm just trying to get a bigger, mm-hmm. a, a better idea of where you're coming from with, with your background. Sure. Um, I, I've actually worked in several different very diverse industries. I started in the travel management industry years ago and worked my way up into operations. And that's really where I got into project management. And I worked for a company that acquired travel agencies. And so I was part of that. And I was um, helping with acquisitions. And I was um, also doing big software implementation projects. And from there, I went into financial services where I was helping manage a portfolio of projects across the enterprise. And then financial services, I went to home building, and then I went into gold mining. 
and then I went into Wait, high tech. You went into and, gold mining? Um, yes, I worked in gold mining at one point, yeah. Wow. You don't meet a lot of people that so, talk about gold yeah, mining. So, exactly. And what I did for them was I helped them implement a shared services organization across the, the globe. And so we took human resources and supply chain management and um, um, uh, financial services, and we moved them into a shared service organization. So I was the global program director for that big initiative for that gold mining company. Oh, wow. So basically, companies that, that do big transformational move the business kind of projects and programs, um, that's the kind of work that I do. Oh, wow. So then what? You, yeah. you did the, you've done this big corporate work and now you're doing your own thing. What what was the catalyst that got you go? I'm I'm going to go do my own thing. <laughs> well, I started the consultancy side of the Encourage project. It didn't have that name until I formalized it all a few weeks ago actually. Okay. But I formalized it a few a few months ago, but we rolled it out a few weeks ago. Um but I've been doing that since 2011 and I've been doing professional public speaking around leadership and project management and doing one-on-one -on -one personal growth with leaders around projects and leadership since 2011. And um, my last corporate gig, um, I was working a really, really, really difficult project with your wife, as a matter of fact, okay. it about killed us. Right. <laughs> it was okay. really, really hard. And at the end of it, I asked for some things from the organization and they weren't in a position to do them. And, and I was like, okay, well, I think that's my answer. The universe is telling me, all right, you've put in enough blood, sweat, and tears, and you're not going to move in a direction that you want to move. Maybe it's time to look at something else. And so I asked, I asked them to let me go, actually. I volunteered to be laid off. And it was quite the, um, <laughs> quite the scandal. They're like, no, you can't leave. And I'm like, well, I'm going to, so you should probably pay me because I've done an awful lot for you. <laughs> so they did. And, um, yeah, so – I quit or, you know, I took the package, got laid off. And for the first couple of months, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. And then literally the Encourage Project podcast came to me in a dream. Really? Like a daydream or wake up in the bed, like a 3 a.m. type of No, it, it was a wake up. It was 2.14 in the morning. Oh, wow. I woke up and I, it, was, it was bizarre. And, and I woke up. And plain as day, a, a, a voice, a presence, I don't know what you call it. It was kind of creepy. said, you know what? You need to do a podcast. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? So was it, was it like an I, audible aha? Uh -huh? Like, is this one of those aha, uh -huh, oh, hoes, or yippies? Like, where's this fall on it? it this, was, this was a, oh, no. So I'm like, holy crap, what does that mean? And, right. and then it was a yippee. It was like, yeah, that's what I need to do. Um, it. it the podcast takes the experience and tactical knowledge that I have, but lets me really, really do what I'm best at. And that is encouraging people, you know, my life's purpose. And I discovered it when I was 19, my life's purpose is to encourage people. And the encourage project podcast is the culmination of all that stuff. And it just made sense. It scared the crap out of me. I'm like, I have no idea. If you remember, I, call, I called your wife. I'm like, hey, you know anybody who does a podcast? <laughs> She's like, well, as a matter of fact, I do. Hmm. <laughs> so I didn't know She knows everybody. So <laughs> I got a, yeah, I got a huge education and here we are. Right. So then 
like when you I so the dream thing, have you ever followed other dreams? Like is this like the first time this happened to you? It is the second time it's happened to me. Really? There's another and time? And the yes, the first time it happened to me was when uh, I was told, if you will, that I needed to be a public speaker. Um, and I and I I'm like but really, and so I did it, and I went and pursued it, and yeah, only wow. twice. Now things will come to me like you know it, it, when I when I spend time in, in quiet, you know, some people call it meditation, whatever you want to call it. When I spend time in quiet, you know, when my brain gets clear, and that, I think that happens for a lot of people. But a specific presence or whatever you want to call it, saying you need to go do this, has happened to me twice. So with like when you do the like the public like hmm. This is interesting now with the dream part of it. Like, especially now both of them are kind of like public speaking mm-hmm. forms. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, you know, I, there's, this could go down a really big rabbit hole fast. It's fine. But... <laughs> it's okay. The only thing I, I have think... to do tonight is make my wife dinner. So that's why we just can't be too late. <laughs> there you're, you go. You're, you're going to have to answer to her and... on that one. <laughs> um, I, you know, I personally believe that every single one of us is designed for a purpose on this earth. And it can be any number of things. And some people, there may be several things. Um, but I just believe that to be true. And when when I have found, when I get quiet and, and really focus on what my body and my heart are telling me versus what society is telling me or conditioning or familial structures or whatever, I find that that's when I get to the true essence of what I'm here to do. And every time I've done that, it has absolutely worked in positive ways. Every single time. Interesting. Have you read uh, like the recent? I don't know if there's any recent. It's been a. There's a video I watched years ago where they talked about how long it takes to get silence now. Like, because there's so much noise going mm-hmm. on, where like how hard it is yep. just to find a place that's quiet and sustained quiet. Mhm. Mhm. It's extraordinarily difficult. And, and, and I think I think quiet can come in different in different ways too. You know, quiet for me comes in music. I'm a musician, so sitting down at the at the piano and just mindlessly playing for however long is is quiet for me. It gets my brain out of the the running the cycles mode. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think there's there's quiet that can come in different forms. No, absolutely. So then. You, with your Encourage project, are you that uh, optimist that's just always in the room, like when you're walking, like, oh, there's Amy, she's gonna, be, <laughs> she's gonna say something nice. Be careful. <laughs> You'll have to ask Sam. Um, okay. <laughs> but but I have been. There's a word that has followed me my whole life, yeah. and that word is sunshine. Okay. So, um, I am an optimist. I am not. I am not a proponent of just go be happy to be happy. There's a difference between being someone who is eternally positive in, in a somewhat false way and, and optimism, true optimism. Optimism is saying that I see ultimate good outcomes and also recognize that we've got to slog through some crap to get there occasionally. Mm-hmm. You know. I'll slug through, but I know there's an ultimately good outcome. And that's that's what people, I believe, see in me. 
Um, because I'm very straightforward. <laughs> you, can, you can ask your wife that too. I'm very straightforward. I do not have a poker face <laughs> at all. Um, and people appreciate that. And also, I really am very much an optimist. Well, it's good. There's no, I think I'm an optimist too. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think there's always a healthy balance of it in life. But there's an optimist. Mm-hmm. And then I always get like, we need, need to be more realistic is the, is the next step down to becoming mm-hmm. a pessimist. Sure, sure. And I think, you know, obviously the world needs as much optimism as possible. And also it's energy. You know, optimism is energy. And if I can share that energy with people and and affect change, even in small ways, I think that's extraordinary. And it's it's very humbling, frankly. For sure. So I'm still curious about your transition from the well, the dream, I guess, but the corporate world to now mm-hmm. kind of working more for yourself. What was, what did your, in comparison, what do your days look like in the, from the, we'll call it the corporate world to today? Like how do you describe your days? The, it, I'll tell you the last year has, has been the most bizarre year of my life. Probably it's been that way for you everybody. Know, leaving it's the corporate world. I'm sorry. It's been that way for everybody. It's 2020. <laughs> you know, yeah, true. It's 2020, and it's been jacked up for everyone. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. Yes, that aside. That aside, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, leaving a, gosh, almost 30-year career in corporate work to not answer to anyone or be held to a schedule or all the things was a real challenge. But more challenging than that was unwinding my identity you know when i was in the corporate world i was that person companies would call me and say hey we hear that you clean up really messy projects will you come work for us i mean that's what i was known for if somebody didn't know how to do a project or someone had really messed one up they knew to call me because i'm really good at unwinding things and so i had this reputation and i had um a, a persona you know people relied on me to keep them going and keep them motivated and keep them focused on outcomes and figure out ways to get there when none of us knew how to do it. We would figure it out because I would make sure we would figure it out. So that was, I was very proud of that. I was very proud of what I accomplished. Absolutely. And so unwinding myself from that identity was hard. It's like, if I, if I'm not that person, who am I? And frankly, the first few months being out of the corporate world, I was pretty much a slug. I mean, I couldn't focus. I couldn't. I couldn't find uh, reasons to do things. I, I was really, frankly, lost and frustrated, and, and thought every single day, "Oh my gosh, what have I done?" And then the dream happened, and it happened in February. And so it's what October, September thirtieth. Now it happened back in February, so seven months ago. Wow. Um, the dream happened, and I had a new opportunity to focus on something different so while I was slogging through this identity crisis after I left I was still seeing clients that I had built up since 2011 Um, I'm very fortunate that I have been frugal with money so I haven't necessarily had to go find other part-time work or anything just yet so I had some savings that was handling finances for me so I didn't have that pressure which was a very I'm very grateful for that absolutely but when the when the dream happened, so to speak, it sounds so weird when the dream happened. <laughs> I, I think it's the title the of your book. Happened. I think it's the title of your book. 
<laughs> there you go. When the That's dream not happened. That idea. <laughs> it just got me focused and it got me fired up. And it was a, a another project. It was a human project. I didn't have the vaguest idea how to do, but by God, I was going to figure out how to do it. And, and so it gave me purpose and focus. And my intention is, particularly with the podcast, to drive business for myself. You know, people... Um, I believe will want to work with me one-on-one. And I've worked with groups and companies, obviously. And I've been very successful working with people one-on-one. And I hope that, that the podcast is just kind of the beginning of that that leads to doing online group um, workshops and education and ultimately offering more of those things through technology. Absolutely. So it's not making money yet, let's be clear. I'm still very much an entrepreneur in the early stages. However, I see great potential. Oh, yeah. If, you're, if your market is helping pick up people's messes, they're all over the place. The, the market is huge. Yeah. So yeah. You, so you want for, it's just getting people to accept that they have a mess, you it, know? So many of us go, no, I got this. I don't need any help. <laughs> it's, right? what, what's, uh, the, it's okay. The joke I like with that is, like, the first step is admitting you have the problem. The next 11 are denied. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Hand me the rag. Let's clean it up. So, so, if, so if you've cleaned up big corporate project messes and now you're helping people mm-hmm. clean up you know the messes in their life what what are some of the hurdles mm-hmm. you've in that people have that you kind of go that you help people push through it, it obviously can run the gamut what i see frequently is people who have an idea of how they're supposed to be. And I put that in air quotes, the supposed to be in air quotes. Mm -hmm. And they struggle with, you know, this is what I I think I'm supposed to be doing, but it doesn't feel right for me. It doesn't feel aligned for me. It doesn't, I don't really like it very much. So helping people get back to center and finding ways to, to either stay in the situation that they're in and make it more aligned to who they are, or finding ways to transition. You know, I, I've worked I worked with um, a leader recently at a company in Denver who had really established her career and gone to the top of her organization and woke up one day and was like, I don't even know what this is. You know, this isn't what I want to do. And so we started talking about it. One of the things that I've always said is I help leaders align who they are with how they lead. And so first we started working on her leadership stuff. We, maybe that's, that was the challenge. And what we found over time is that wasn't really the challenge. She was facing um, a career crisis. And so we talked through some of that. So that's, that's some of the stuff, you know, people not really feeling aligned with what they do. Some of it is um, I, I frequently do smaller engagements with people who just don't know how to break down a, a, a vision or a dream into some actionable parts. You know, hey, I want to start a business, but I don't have the biggest idea where to go. I'm like, I don't either. Let's go find out and I'll help you. You know, that's one of the things that people pay me for. I'm not afraid of it. I don't, I don't know anything about it. I, I can go find out. Let's go find out together. And I think that is a lot of comfort for people is having someone who goes, yeah, I don't know anything about it, but I know we can find it and I'll help you. And that's really fun too. i got to mention that's a great so learning experience for you too. I'm sorry. Yes. I got to yeah. mention that's a great learning experience for what, when you're, when you're now exploring things to help other people out you're learning along in the process. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. It is really amazing. And and I learned things, too, that, 
that or, or or not maybe not learned, but I am reminded constantly of the resilience that people have. And they don't realize it. They don't realize how resilient they are. And it's for all kinds of reasons. You know, there's all kinds of reasons why we forget that we're resilient. Um, but but just having someone remind them, say, hey, do you realize that you just did X, Y, Z? Let's celebrate that. That's amazing, you know. Do you think or people... do you realize that you just accomplished something that you said you wouldn't be able to accomplish? Let's celebrate that. Do you think people sort of get hung up that I read a good book with, I think it was, I think it's Johnny Koof. I don't know if I'm saying the name right. A-C-U-F-F, I think it is. is it, where it's I, have, like, I have not read that. But it's, the book's called Finish. He just talks about where people, like, they'll get to 80% done and stop, and then be like, I failed. You're like, you're almost there. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Like, you had a bad mm-hmm. day. It's okay. Go on to the next day. Mm-hmm. Do you find that? It's, it's like the book, Three Feet from, from Gold, very similar. Oh, yeah? What's a, mm-hmm. what's three feet from gold stand for, or represent? Or uh, it's a it's about a, a story of these gold miners, and they found a vein, and they knew where it was, and they dug and dug and dug and dug and dug and dug and dug, and they never hit the gold. Well, they sold the mine, and um, essentially, whoever bought it dug three feet further and hit one of the hugest gold veins in this particular geography. Oh, jeez! And if they had just kept going, right? Um, and I, gosh, I can't remember. I know someone listening will know this book, Three Feet from Gold. I can't remember who wrote it, but that's essentially the book is about the mindset of that. Well, the, when you hear, story, but I think I'm sorry. When you hear stories like that, though, isn't there's also a lot of truth in knowing when to quit? Like you quit your job. Yes. So, like, how do you teach people or encourage people to sort of say have the discernment to know the difference between hey, you're almost there versus cut bait? I think for me, because I've done this actually several times, and, and like like you alluded to most recently in my career, it was really hard to come to the conclusion that I was ready to leave corporate America because I had visions of being a C-level executive. I had planned my career path accordingly. I knew what my next role was intended to be to keep me on that path, and I had worked for years to toward that goal. And to look at it and go, huh, I don't want that anymore. And really assess whether it was that I truly didn't want it or if I was afraid of it and afraid of continuing the hard work. And that's where I come in to help people is answering those questions. It's okay to walk away from a big project. If you have done the assessment of yourself, so to speak, and come to the conclusion that actually that's not something I want anymore. It's okay not to want that anymore. It doesn't mean that you failed. It doesn't mean that I failed. You know, I went through a, a, a mind mess temporarily thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm a failure. I think that's normal. People go through those emotions. But mm-hmm. I know in my soul that I made the right decision. And, you know, you're the only person who knows whether you're quitting or whether you're making a conscious choice. And having someone to ask you the hard questions and get you to think through that can be very helpful, you know. But no one can say to, to another person, here's how you know whether you're failing or quitting. You only know that, oh, in my view. Absolutely. I think those people and the people close to them where they know the situation or whatever. So, like, I've coached, mm-hmm. ba- I've coached mm-hmm. basketball, and you can see when guys quit when it's not the right time to quit yet. You go, like, you're so close to getting your goal. And they just, like, right. like it's that three feet from gold you're talking about there. You're like, you're so close. Mm-hmm. But then, like, on the other side, though, like, do you see a lot of people just set unrealistic goals that go, you know, I want to be the next, you know, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates. And you're like, that's a different level. 
Like, it's nothing wrong to try to be good, but nothing wrong with being, you know, really above average either. Um, I would ask, you know, who says that that's unreasonable? You know, it really depends on the person. If a person, in my view, really wants to achieve that level of, um, I will say that magnitude of success, you know, because success comes in lots of different forms, right? But that oh, yeah. magnitude of success, who's to say that that's not, that that's too much? They're the only ones who know. And certainly, there, you know, the, the likelihood of something occurring for a person like that is pretty small when you look at the numbers, but it's not impossible. And, it's, and it comes down to how committed are you? How much are you willing to invest? And do you know the point at which you are willing to walk away from it? You know, I'm never going to say to someone ever, well, you really think you want to pursue that? That's pretty big. Never. I mean, if someone had said that to me, well, they have said that to me. I mean, I've been told that several times in my career. And it, and it, it, I let it hurt me early on. And then I realized, wait a minute, you don't get to decide. You don't get to decide how far I go, how big I go, how crazy I go. I decide. You know, one of the things I do tell people is when they start human projects, whatever it is, the vision that they create for that project should really be entirely within their control. So, for example, okay. I've worked with a couple of people who wanted to make some pretty big health changes. And initially, their reason was, oh, well, I want to be prettier or have people think I'm prettier. I want, I want, I want to have more dates. I was like that when I was way heavy. And you have no control over what people think of you. You have no control over whether people find you attractive. You have no control over whether people find you successful. You only have control over what you do and what you produce. And so as long as you have control over what you do and what you produce, the results ultimately show up. And you can't control them if they come from other places, but you can control you and what you're putting out there. Do you think a lot of stress in people's lives comes from trying to control things they can't control? Yes. And that's, that's a fear-based, it's a fear-based action that so almost all of us have experienced at least once, right? Oh, yeah. Um, it's perfectionism. We, we, we say that perfectionism, oh, I'm a perfectionist. Perfectionism is, is a fear-based behavior. Perfectionism says, I must be perfect because I'm afraid people won't think I am fill in the blank. They won't think I'm competent. They won't think I'm smart. They won't think I'm capable. They won't think I can do this job. Therefore, I have to be perfect. Perfectionism, as an example, is a fear-driven behavior. And so when we can shift behaviors to behaviors that are not driven by fear, uh, they're driven it, technically it's by love. They're love and fear are the two emotions essentially from which all emotions run. When we do things out of love, I'm, I'm doing this because I, I am passionate about what I'm doing. I'm doing this because it makes me feel important. It makes me feel like I'm contributing. It makes me feel engaged. Then it is very, it is so much easier to do things. Hmm. But fear, while it's a driver, it's really freaking stressful. You know? Oh yeah, I, I think of John McEnroe playing tennis. Mm. Oh yeah, he yeah. Had a, he had a lot of fear and stress, but he worked with it. Mm -hmm. But are you able to live with that type of stress in your life? Right. And how much fun is that? 
right? You fun, know? The fun but factor is important. We need to have fun. It yeah. is. Yeah. No, you I, know, it's still cliche, obviously, to say life is too short. It's Life is hard enough without, you know, it not being fun. <laughs> there right? are things that we all have to do because it's the human experience. We got to pay bills. We got to pay taxes. We got to do things. There are things we have to do, right? <laughs> but all that other stuff, if, why make it harder than it needs to be? Let's have fun. I agree on that. I, I used to have, I still have like words like two components to where with working a job where I was like, I either have to be learning something or having fun. If both of those are fails, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. For me, the addition that I have for that is who am, who am I helping succeed? That's you a know, good I used one. to tell folks, Sam, good... Sam, will, Sam will tell you this. I used to say to all my project teams, my sole reason to be on this project is to block and tackle for you and help you succeed. That's why I'm here. That's the role in my view of a program and project manager is to help people succeed. That's it. I like it. And yeah. Right. I mean, that's what we're meant to do. Absolutely. Is there anything else on the, on the project management, the human project that I missed that you want to, did I miss anything that you want to say? I don't, it's a big mm, subject. I don't so, think we uh, missed anything. So. I think the last thing I would say is no human project is too small. You know, oftentimes people will choose not to pursue something because they think it's insignificant. They think that it's, oh, that's not that big a deal. Nobody's going to care. If you care about it, it matters. If you care about it, it's meant to be done. If a human project was placed in your soul or in your brain or in your heart to come to fruition, it's there for a reason. And every single one of us has a human project, at least one, if not many. We all have many. But mm-hmm. We all have at least one that is meant to come to fruition because each and every person on this planet is meant to contribute to humanity in some form or fashion. And it doesn't have to be massive magnitude. Every contribution matters. Absolutely. All right. I got another question for you kind of out of left field, but I like asking the question because awesome. I like trying to learn. So, so I, I, I got in this thing about four months ago now called marriage and I'm trying to be a yeah. success. I know, right? <laughs> and I'm trying to be a success. I know, yep. you know, have it go as well as I can because I don't want to have to do this again. So, yep. so any any marriage advice or relationship advice that you can share, whether in, you know, sort of help help us help a stubborn guy like me figure things out. <laughs> the only advice I would give you is assume positive intent. It's so easy with people that we love and are close to, whether it's a partner or a parent or a sibling or a close friend, it's so easy for us to get hung up in all the things. And if you show up every day assuming positive intent, it just seems to make things go easier, you know? And then I guess the other thing I would say too is the yes and. Um, Wait, yes and? It's a, it's a rule. Yeah, it's a rule in improv comedy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, so yes and is how you build a scene. No matter what crazy sounding thing comes out of the other actor's mouth, your sole purpose is to take that thing and build on it. And it's easy when we're with people that we love to be brutally honest with them and we think we're serving them when they say, oh, you know, I want to go hike a mountain that's 
28,000 feet. And you're like, <laughs> right, you can't walk around the block, right? right? And we shut people down and we don't realize it. But if we show up in those relationships with an attitude of yes and, we empower the people that we love and it makes our lives much more richer. Interesting. I like it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. If someone wants to get connected with you, what's the best way? The best way? Yes. Is through the um, Encourage Project on Instagram okay. or on Facebook. If they want to contact me directly, they can send me an email at hello at com, And I would love to hear from you. Um, I would love it. It makes me happy, happy to get in touch with people. Absolutely. But yeah. And then the podcast is on um, all major platforms, uh, iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. We're coming to iHeartRadio soon, but not quite yet. Nice. It's a little while. But yeah, they can find us that way. Very cool. Well, I'll put a link to that in the description, too, the places where they can find you. So if you miss awesome. her, missed it, look at the description. So, Amy, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm so incredibly happy for you and Sam. I wish you guys the very, very, very best. Well, and hopefully the next time I'm out in Denver, I will get to actually meet you face to face. That would be great. <laughs> would be great. I'd love it. You can come out in the backyard. We'll, we'll grill, grill food on the grill. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Thank you, Amy. Good job, Amy.